2: Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News and your host of this podcast. It's Monday, so we're opening up the mailbag, and every week what we like to do here is ask you some questions, ask you to send me some questions, rather, on Twitter. You can also send them via email to wgoldberg at bayareanewsgroup.com, and the reason you send them there is because this mailbag usually gets published over at the Mercury News. Dot com, eastbaytimes.com. So you can read some stuff over there But I do like to use your questions as a springboard um, To talk more about them here on this podcast I'll write about it I'll answer your questions in the published mailbag online But I like to go longer here on the show So this first question comes from Alan Frank who writes in What are your thoughts on Mulder, Bender, and Toscano-Anderson with regards to earning contracts for the remainder of this season and next season? All three look like potential bench pieces on a good team. So, this is a question that the Warriors are going to try to answer over the next 18 games of the year. And with Michael Mulder, Dragon Bender, and Juan Toscano-Anderson, there is potential for all three of them, a few of them... To make the team next year and be real contributors, I think with Mulder, he's a, he's your prototype 3 and D guy. Bender is a floor-spacing 5. Toscano Anderson is a versatile forward. Those are the prototypes of guys. That is sort of the outline of a player who you want at the end of your bench. And you could do worse than any of these guys on your on your end of your bench, okay? I think all of them have an opportunity to make the team next year. Among them, I think actually Michael Mulder has the best chance. He's been with the team with the shortest amount of time, but has been the most impressive. And I don't think there's any question about that. In six games, he's averaging over 12 points a game on 36% shooting from three-point range. And he's surprised coaches and teammates with how good he's been defensively. And um, I will continue to shout out my own writing. I wrote at length about Michael Mulder today on the site about uh, talking to him about how he managed to become a pretty good defender in his time in the g league specifically with uh the sioux falls sky force who the warriors uh signed him away from uh, a couple of weeks ago and he'll probably end up signing if he hasn't already by the time you're hearing this at least another 10-day contract or even possibly a rest of season contract i do think that that is definitely a possibility something that they're looking at um and it's really i think maybe depending on molder if he wants to sign a rest of season contract or if he or uh possibly a longer-term contract. I don't know. I do know that he wants to be in Golden State. He told me that, that he, he he looks at the Warriors as a great long-term fit for him. And I think the Warriors look at him as a potential long-term fit. Um, he's 25 years old, known as a three-point specialist who could defend. I mean, those, again, 3-and-D type guy. He started in, in Steph Curry's place when Steph was out with the flu against the Sixers. The Warriors have won three games, three of the four games, Three of their last four games without Steph, they've won. Uh, and and Mulder has been a part of it. So I think that he's got a real shot. He's not. He, you don't need to ask him to dribble all that much. I, I think that's, you know, you don't need to ask him to guard bigger positions. But he can guard two or three positions. Uh, he did a great job uh, sliding up against uh, Devin Booker in his second game against the Suns. That's really what sort of earned him his roster spot. So uh, Mulder, I think, has got a real shot. Bender, look... Um, he shows flashes here and there, but he's always just—he's one of these guys that's just like a couple of inches away from being a good NBA player. Like, you know, his shot will just—you know—bounce off the side of the rim, or he'll step out of bounds, or lose his dribble, or, or you know, make a great move for a seven-footer and then miss a layup. Like, he's just a—he's just a couple, a nudges away from being a good NBA player. That said, his skill set is very rare. A legit seven footer who could space the floor and pass is rare, and that's exactly the kind of player Steve Kerr likes to have at the five spot. And I think Steve Kerr might be Dragon Bender's biggest fan. And if you're Dragon Bender, that's a real good guy to have in your back pocket on your side, right? So I think Bender's got a real chance. That's why they signed him to a second 10 day. They want to get an extended look at him. Um, one of the like, you know, maybe a Jonas Jerebko type. Like you don't need much from him over the course of a season. Like they're asking him to play a lot of minutes, twenty plus minutes a game right now. But you don't really need much from these type of guys when your team is healthy next year. That said, Bender's also one of these guys who needs to play through his mistakes. And it's one thing to get 23, 25 minutes a night and be able to play through those mistakes. It's a whole other thing when you're asked to sub in for six, seven, eight minutes in a game, 10 minutes in a game, and not make those mistakes. To have an efficient, tight 10 minutes where you can actually contribute positively to the team. That's very different than being able to just sort of play through stuff. Uh, and then, as far as Juan Toscano-Anderson, he's been a little up and down. He's he's not flashy, uh, but he's solid overall. You could again a guy who they've started at power forward at times, played at the three, has had they've had him guard ones and twos. I mean, he could guard four different positions. If he can, if if that outside shot can be consistent, and if he can attack um, guys on closeouts, I think he's got a real chance. I think you, Like I said, I think you could do a lot worse Than any of these guys at the end of your bench If we're talking about guys 13, 14, and 15 You could do worse You could do worse This next question comes from Horrible Hucks Who writes in How likely is it that Glenn Robinson III, Amari Spellman, or Jordan Bell Are back with the Warriors next year? Uh, as far as Amari Spellman and Jordan Bell Look, they're not going to retread the Jordan Bell thing They were not impressed with him They traded him for uh, base, or they, they let him go for nothing um, He's not coming back There's no chance of that Omari Spellman, they would like him back. Unfortunately, they picked up his, his third year option earlier in the season when he was on the team because they liked him so much, and then they had to trade him to get under the luxury tax. So uh, they're going to have to wait if, if Spellman is to ever return. Glenn Robinson is a free agent this summer. I do wonder if he is. I, I don't think that he's spiteful toward the Warriors, uh, but I do think he's going to be looking for that payday. And he, that's why he was—one of the reasons why he was so upset to leave the Warriors is because he was on pace—he was on track to get paid this summer. And with the Sixers, he's not playing as big a role, and he's not going to—you he, know, he's losing some earning power over the offseason. So maybe the Warriors are able to bring him back on a one-year deal, or maybe, you know, a make-good two-year deal with a player option on the second year. That might not be a whole, worth a whole lot more than the, or, than the minimum, but uh, at least something. So— you know, Maybe you can bring him back at the mid-level exception or something like that. So I think there's a chance for Glenn Robinson, especially you know a guy who can play defense well enough um, and, and can just hit open jumpers. And he's durable and he's reliable, and uh, that would be a nice guy to have backing up Andrew Wiggins. I want to get to this next question about how Eric Paschal and Draymond Green can play together next season, but first... When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience, and how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. You can also add skills tests to your job post so you can be confident in your applicant's abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash LockedOn and get free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply, offer valid through March 31st, 2020. Hey
0: guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Lockdown On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and... May Charles Barkley the first black president. Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier.
2: Our next question comes from Will, who writes in, Eric Pascal has excelled in games that Draymond Green has missed. How can Steve Kerr help both to coexist and play well together? Uh, here are Pascal's per 36-minute stats when Green is on versus when he is off the court. So Eric Pascal without Draymond Green, 19.2 points on 54% shooting, six rebounds and almost three assists per game. That's per 36 minutes without Draymond Green. Now per 36 minutes with Draymond Green... He goes from 19 to 15.5 points, 54% shooting to 38.6% shooting. And the rebounds and the assists are about the same. So look, it's obvious that Eric Paschal excels when Draymond Green's not on the court. The reason for that is is obvious. Jaymond Green is a non-floor spacer. Guys will pack the paint. They play off of him when he's out on the three-point line where he likes to hang out. He likes to play on the three-point line, but he likes he doesn't shoot from there. He screens there, he facilitates from there, but guys will just play right off of him. And Eric Pascal just needs room to get downhill. He likes to bully his way into the rim with one fewer body, you know, out of the paint or one fewer body in the paint. Yeah, obviously his shooting percentages are going to go up. Um, I even, I looked this up too. I didn't write it down, but I think he shoots like 70% at the rim when Draymond Green is off the floor versus like 50% or somewhere thereabouts when Draymond Green is on the floor. So again, like that shooting percentage bears out, uh, when he gets to the basket where he likes to go. And so, um, you know, uh, Steve Kerr has experimented quite a bit with Eric Paschal's role this season. Is he Draymond Green's backup? Is he a small forward? Right now, he's basically, while Draymond Green is hurt, he's basically been Andrew Wiggins' backup. I don't know what his position next season's gonna be. And by the way, Steve Kerr doesn't know that either. That's something that they had to figure out next year. One thing I will say, it'll it'll be interesting to see how having Steph Curry and Clay Thompson impacts all of this. Like, is there extreme amount of spacing? Is there gravity enough to basically say, you know what, as much as Draymond Green hurts our spacing, having Steph and Clay out there it 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 creates so much space anyway that Pascal still has enough spot, uh, room to get to the rim even with Draymond Green on the court. The other part of this is that if Pascal is Draymond Green's backup or Andrew Wiggins backup, that means that he's going to probably be paired with the other one quite often, right? So basically, two of Draymond Green, Eric Pascal, and Andrew Wiggins will probably be on the floor for most of the Warriors' minutes next season. Now, Wiggins is a better shooter than Green and Pascal but he's not a great shooter and do you know opponents do play off of him a little bit he's not a great floor spacer he's more of an off-ball cutter he is going to benefit from uh, Steph's and Clay's spacing as much as these other guys too so the you know Steve Kerr for the, he's going to have to have two of those three guys on the court most of the time it'll be interesting to see what combinations he goes with and how those guys play off of each other and of course how Curry and Thompson can cover up for those for their lack of outside shooting Okay, let's get to our next question from JJ Bay, EG, who writes in, Do you think the Warriors will keep Kavon Looney for the long term if he continues to be in and out of the lineup with injuries? Uh, look, a lot of people were wondering if they were going to trade Kavon Looney at the trade deadline because of all of these injuries. Here's the thing. I don't know that they have a choice, If even if they want to get off of Kavon Looney in the long term. I mean, at the time, Looney's three-year, $15 million contract, when they signed that this summer, looked like a bargain. Now, it doesn't look like a bargain. Even at $5 million a year... If he's only playing 20 games a year, it doesn't matter how good he is in those 20 games. And by the way, he hasn't been that good in those 20 games that he played this season. So with this daunting injury history, this laundry list of injuries and things that are complicated, like this neuropathic condition that people don't really know about, and it's just, it's the hips, it's the abs, it's its his lower body, it's this neuropathic thing, it's just one thing after the other with this guy. It's, he's breaking down, and look, I feel bad for him, man, but... Even if you wanted to, if you're the Warriors, to, if you wanted to get off of him long-term, I don't know that you could. Like, What team right now is going to take Kevon Looney at $5 million a year? None. There's zero teams in the league who would trade for Kevon Looney right now. Not with this injury history. Not with the way that things are going for him this season. So I don't think the Warriors have so much of a choice. That's why I dismissed sort of the trade deadline stuff, uh, those rumors, you know, in February. And it's sort of why I'm, I kind of feel like they're stuck with Kevon Looney, for better or worse, going forward. That said, I, he has enough equity built with this organization where they do want to give him another chance. I think that they, they look at the center position, they see Marquise Chris as their potential starter, Kevon Looney as your switchable, like 15 minutes a game type of backup center, and they'll probably add another center, which brings us to our next question after this.
3: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On.
2: Do you think Marquise Chris's emergence precludes the Warriors from drafting James Wiseman, or do you think the two could fit together? First, of all, I don't. I don't think the two could fit together. Marquise Chris is a center. Didn't play Wiseman is the center. They can't play together. Uh, I don't think that the Warriors look at James Wiseman as a realistic draft uh, prospect. I, I think that they. I, I think that they look at Chris as a guy who has the inside track at earning the center spot next season, the starting center spot next season. I, and I do think that they're going to add another center, but I just don't think that they're going to be drafting James Wiseman at the top of the draft, mostly because they don't want to pay a center what top draft picks make. They make like ten million a year by the end of their rookie scale contracts. They're making fourteen million a year thereabouts. The Warriors historically have not paid centers. Even Demarcus Cousins, a superstar center, a big name, came on the cheap. That's why they signed him. It was a low risk, low you know high reward type situation. James Wiseman is not that. It is a high-risk, high-reward type of situation. And unless they are convinced that James Wiseman is a building block, a guy who can be in games in crunch time in high-stakes playoff situations, I don't think that they draft James Wiseman. Okay? I don't think it's so easy as the Warriors have Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, these other spots are filled, just go draft the best center. Go draft James Wiseman. I don't think it's that simple. I think that they would rather allocate ten to $14 million a year to a perimeter player. A versatile player. James Wiseman is not that. I mean he seems fine. Like I've watched his highlights, he seems fine. He could be good. But the Warriors overall, historically under Steve Kerr, have approached the center position like a baseball manager approaches his bullpen. You want different players for different situations. If you pay James Wiseman ten to fourteen million a year, you don't get to make him a situational player. He has to be on the court now. And he has to be on the court at the end of basketball games now. So what happens to the death lineup? Because I don't think he fits that, so I don't. I don't think that the Warriors are very high on James Wiseman, or really just in general the idea of drafting a center like James Wiseman. Okay, I, I think that they would rather take that pick and and look at um, a perimeter player, whether it's Anthony Edwards or whoever else, or maybe you just trade back and you don't want to pay that sort of money to a top pick anyway in a in a draft that's not considered very top heavy at all. Uh, so. I know know that James Wiseman is sort of the popular choice. I just, I'm not buying it. I don't see it. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Warriors. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, Prime members.